All right, now we're on. <laughs> I got a uh, email from Pam um, about a week ago, and Pam said uh, the social studies class at Gilbert Middle School they are doing projects on someone who has made a difference in our country and made a difference in the world that had uh, strong convictions. And they are to find a historical person to uh, do a report, a project on. And one girl uh, named Lauren, Lauren decided to do Billy Graham. And so um, she wanted to interview someone to have a, a source, a primary source, and interview someone about Billy Graham. So Pam said, would you be all right with uh, coming over to the school to be interviewed? And I said, well, yeah, that, that'd be great. So uh, Lauren sent her questions, and I went over there on Friday and sat down with a wonderful eighth grade student who asked me questions about why Billy Graham has been such a figure of consistency and why he has made a difference in the world today. And I uh, had a wonderful interview with her and this is what it reminded me of that every time a child of God, a student goes to a school and Christ is in their life, Christ shows up in that school. And we need to remember that. That you know in, in public schools today, God is there and Christ is there when students and teachers show up who have faith in their life. And so uh, I was so proud to be able to be a part of that. One thing she was shocked by, um, she asked me, have, have you been to a crusade? And I said, well, one time in Oklahoma City. And she said, what was that like? And I said, well, I was impressed when Billy Graham gave the invitation at the amount of people that came forward during the invitation. And then I said, something else that I, I have been shocked by is that Billy Graham has never, never, never changed his message or his invitation hymn. You can listen to Billy Graham in 1950. Time comes to draw the net. Old Cliff Barrow's going to get up there and say, just as I am. <laughs> Same thing in the 1990s. He never changed that invitation hymn. And what a wonderful hymn that is, just as I am. You know, we can come to Christ just like we are, but we never leave that way. God always has something to change in our life. Now, for you and I to come to Christ, I believe there's got to be a part of us that is not satisfied with what the world can give us. And that's why when you and I look at Isaiah 55, we find an invitation to contentment. One person said in a poem, as a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what is not. Oh, that's right. We are hard to get satisfied. If we got steak, we want fish. 
If we got fish, we want steak. If we got bagels, we want muffins. If we got chocolate, we want vanilla. I tell you, if you go into what's that old ice cream place, Baskin Robbins, 32 flavors, that's 31 too many. <laughs> Standing there trying to decide. I mean, you know, just get something, get out of the way. <laughs> we live in a world where people are consumed with stuff. Now, when you watch a commercial, they want you to realize you don't smell right, you don't look right, you need something done to your teeth to make them brighter and whiter and more sparkly. I, I'm not against any of that. I, I'm all for it if folks want to improve their appearance. Some need more work on that than others, but I, I'm all for that, alright? But man, there's just so much you can do. But you and I need to realize that contentment is not found in things. Contentment's found in a person. And in a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.27 says, It is Christ in us the hope of glory. Man, that is my, my hope that Christ lives in my life. And when He breaks forth out of my life, people see Jesus in me. I, um, I was thinking about how that we are caught up in, in this thing called things. Someone said America is addicted to thingification. What a word. Thingification. We are caught up in this collection of things. You know, in the 1960s, I, I remember the 60s, in the 1960s, I don't remember all of these storage facilities around. You know, they build those things left and right now. You know why? Because we got too much stuff. Do you know why people have a two-car garage? It's not for their cars. Now they park their cars in the driveway and their garages are full. You don't have to be a hoarder to have too much stuff. Some of y'all look guilty. That's right, we are spoiled rotten. A man was standing on the side of the road and saw the richest man in town go by in a hearse. He was dead. And they were watching the funeral procession go by and they looked at the hearse and one man said, I wonder how much he left behind. Somebody else said he left it all. He left it all. That's the truth. We're going to leave it all. I heard a preacher one time say, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You never see that, do you? <laughs> hey, you're not going to take it with you. Yeah. I like, I like the guy who owed someone $10,000. And God nagged and nagged and nagged all of his life about paying this guy off. Finally, the guy died. And so then, to top it off, he wrote a check there for $10,000, put it in the casket and said, good luck cashing that. Good luck with that. Well, you and I are people that 
are searching but never satisfied. Possessions will not bring satisfaction. Pursuits will not bring satisfaction. One person said, in the end, your pursuits will pursue you. I think that's right. Nowhere in the Old Testament do we find the spirit of the Gospel more anticipated than in Isaiah 55. It is an invitation to come to the Messiah, the coming Christ for salvation. So let's read this, alright? Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Now the parallel of Isaiah 55 in the New Testament is Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. And that is the parable of the Great Supper in Luke 14. In Luke 14, 15 through 24, there is this wonderful parable about, about inviting people. Come because it's ready. Come because supper is ready. And so, all of these different people would have excuses. But none of them really hold up. And that's why when you read Isaiah 55, you see that there's no good reason not to come to the Lord for salvation. And we're going to find in Isaiah 55 that God offers something not temporary, but eternal. Something that is a free offer of mercy. Now, go to your house. Go to your apartment. Let's go back there into your closet. How many things do you have in that closet that you wore ten years ago? How many things in that closet do you have that you wore twenty years ago? How many of you are the same this is, this is meddling, alright? <laughs> Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? How many of you are the same size today that you were in high school? I mean, think about that. Lynn, I may get fired here real quick, alright? But, but you and I know very well things are temporary. But God offers perfect Eternal contentment. Alright, there are three parts to the invitation here. Alright, number one, the offers of this invitation. Look at the offers. Verse number one. You find that there are a couple of wonderful offers in this invitation. One is the right provisions. 
the right provisions. There are three basic substances offered here. One is water. Do you see that in verse number 1? Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Now, water is a symbol in the New Testament of the new birth. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 7, verse 37 says that those who are thirsty can come to the waters of life. And so water is a symbol of salvation. And so God is saying here that those who are thirsty come to the waters of salvation. Well, not only does He offer water, He offers wine. Do you see that here in verse 1? The Bible goes on to say, And you who have no money, come by and eat. Come by wine. Wine in the Bible is a symbol of joy. It's not hard to figure that one out, is it? Alright, wine's a symbol of joy. We find in Psalms chapter 104, verse 15, it says, "...in wine which makes man's heart glad, so that he may make his face glisten with oil, and fond which sustains man's heart." So wine there is a symbol of joy. Now, there's a third substance here. It says, come by wine and milk. Well, that's a strange combination. You got water, you got wine, and you got milk. Now, milk is essential for healthy growth. Milk is the first substance that a baby gets. Milk is a symbol in the Bible of the Word of God. Milk is the Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So, we find here this wonderful offer. We can come and have the right provisions. Water, salvation. Wine, joy. Milk, we can feed on the Word of God. These are lasting things. The child of God has salvation eternally. It is an eternal security that we have. We can have joy not based on things that we get, not based on what happens in our life, we can have joy because of a relationship that we have with Christ. Milk, we feed on the Word of God. Alright, so not only the right provisions here, but it's the right price. The right price. Verse number 1 again says, Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Now guess what the price is? Zero. It is the right price. Romans 3.24 says, 
being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Has anyone ever offered you a gift and uh, then wanted money for it? I I heard the story of someone that uh, they said someone gave them uh, tickets to to a game and, and then wanted money for the tickets. Can you imagine someone saying, I'm going to give this gift to you, and by the way, you owe me $4.50 or whatever. I mean, that would be ridiculous. And so, the right price, salvation, is never, never based on what we can pay. You know why? We don't have enough to pay for it. That's why I love the old gospel hymn, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a, what? Crimson stain. But Jesus washed it white as snow. And so, the offers of this invitation, provision, alright? Water, salvation, wine, joy, milk. We've got the feeding on the Word. And then we have the price is right. You remember that old show, The Price is Right? Still on? Still on? Who's the host of that thing now? Drew Carey. Drew Carey, right. What's the old guy? Barker? Yeah. Used to host that. Well, I need to get caught. Him, we need to get caught up. Price, price is Right, still on. All right, we need to watch that. It's probably on Netflix somewhere. In Somewhere. Alright, moving on. Number two. Not only do we find the offers of this invitation, but number two, we find the opportunities of this invitation. Now, what what opportunities does a person have who accepts the offer? There are three mentioned here in the text. Number one, the opportunity for salvation. Look at verse number 3. Incline your ear and come to Me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Now, He says, listen that you may live. That you may live. I think everybody wants the longest possible life that you can have. And we want the quality of life with the quantity of days. Many people, if they have a choice, they say, I'd rather have quality than quantity. But for the child of God, you can have both. Because we have quality in that the best possible life to live is a life for Jesus. And we got quantity. Because man, when I got saved at that moment, in that day, in that time, I am a possessor of eternal life. Man, I don't have eternal life when I die. I got it right now. I got it now. Eternal life begins at the moment of conversion. Because when I got saved, I got justified. And now I am sanctified 
And one day in the future I shall be glorified. That's right. That's right. So, look at Isaiah chapter 59. Look at Isaiah 59, that chapter. And look at verse number 2. Isaiah 59, verse 2. 59, 2. Well, let, let's start verse 1. Alright, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor His ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. I want to tell you, when someone prays the prayer, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, come into my life and be my Savior. That moment, that second, at that time, God's face is turned towards you. Amen. And all of those barriers are taken out of the way. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to say I'm sorry. When I do marriage counseling, I always tell the, the groom, remember two words, I'm sorry. Remember those words because there is power in forgiveness. And, and there is with God also. Alright, also there is the opportunity for satisfaction. Uh, look back in chapter 55. <clears throat> and, and look at verse number 2. Verse 2. Isaiah 55, verse 2. It says, Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Eat what is good. In other words, we can delight ourselves, we can be satisfied in what God gives us. Not the junk of the world. Do you ever have trouble on the buffet? When the buffet is lined out there at a Christmas party, you know they got all the good stuff up front. It seems like so many times, you know, right there at the front, there are, there are these wonderful apple or raspberry tarts and, and, and you know, the, these cream-filled pastries and, and, and you know, all, all these wonderful cookies and, and, and these little bitty tiny pecan pies, about that big, you know? You just pop them in your mouth one at a time. And then down at the end of the buffet, you've got the vegetable dip with the carrots and the broccoli. And everybody just kind of walks on by, you know? You know why? Because man by nature doesn't really want what's good for him. We want what? What feeds the flesh? We want chocolate and sugar and creams and pastries. I mean, all that stuff's wonderful. Well, sometimes we need to bypass some of that and, and get something more nutritious. And that's what the Bible's saying here. It's really saying that what satisfies Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. The things of God that last. Alright, also there's the opportunity here for security. 
Uh, verse number 3 again says, And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. It is an everlasting covenant. The invitation is, is forever. Um, it's something that God's not going to, to take back. I'm from uh, the great state of Oklahoma, and uh, we have a lot of Native Americans in Oklahoma and all kinds of tribes. You got the Kickapoo tribe. Yeah, you got, got the Cherokees over in Tahlequah. You, you got uh, the Creeks in Old Mogi. You got uh, the Pawnee. I mean, you got all kinds of Indian tribes there. You know, the five civilized tribes that got relocated there. But you know, there was a bad phrase when I was a kid, and, and they didn't use the word Native American, they used the word Indian there. It was the word Indian giver. You know what that means? It means you give something and take it back. Yeah, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to take it back. Well, aren't you glad God's not like that? The Bible says there is an everlasting covenant. Man, what God says, God's not going to take back. And so, the opportunities of this invitation to be saved, to be satisfied, to be secure. Do you think that's a message that resonates? That people can be saved eternally, they can be satisfied with their life right now, and they can have security. Alright, let's move on to number three, third and last. The obligations of this invitation. There are two. Two obligations. What is required of us? Well, there is something you must have. Verse number 1. Look at the word thirst. The word thirst. We've got to be thirsty. You've got to be thirsty. No one will drink until they are thirsty. Got to have a thirst. You know, you've got to get a person lost before they can be saved. They've got to be convicted of their sin. Thirsty. Got to have a desire for the Lord. And I believe only the Holy Spirit can do that. The Spirit of God can bring conviction to us, and that, that gets us thirsty for the things of God. There's also something you must hear, and that is the message the message of salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Sylvia, we used that one last week. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of Christ or the Word of God. A lot of people living today just never satisfied because they've never come to the right source. They're not thirsty. They're not convicted. They're not hungry for a different life. Aren't you glad for this invitation? It says that we can be content with what God gives us. I remember when I was a kid, went to youth camp down at Falls Creek and uh, got out there and, and played, uh, played volleyball, played softball. I was pretty good. And, and uh, I say that humbly, alright, I was pretty good. And, and uh, loved to jump up and spike the ball and, 
And um, I wasn't really a home run hitter, but I could place the ball pretty good and hit over someone's head and get on base. And, and so, uh, you know, this camp was kind of different in a way. Um, uh, Baptists out there in Oklahoma, they, they had a thing about, about wearing shorts back in the day, and so you had to wear long pants. Man, we like to burn up, you know. Mm. Yeah, doc, Dr. Cooper, I, I had something though. I had some scrubs, all right? And, and I wore those scrubs because they were real loose and, and the air would get up them, so I had those, those scrubs on. And I, uh, my brother-in-law is a veterinarian, so he got me some scrubs to wear. And, and uh, they also had another strange rule. They, they didn't believe in something called mixed bathing. Uh, that's kind of a, a term out there in Oklahoma and Kansas. They talk about, about, about mixed bathing. It means that boys and girls couldn't swim together. That's what it meant, mixed bathing. And uh, so anyway, you know, the boys had their time to swim at the pool and the girls had their time to swim at the pool and, and, and they just wouldn't let them swim together. But what happened is that whenever the girls went to the pool to swim, all the boys were hanging on the fence, <laughs> staring at them. I'd tell my guys, I'd say, quit drooling over those girls and come on. And, but you know, after, after I went out there and played softball, I looked forward to coming back to our cabin. And they had something there called Orange Crush. Man, orange crush. I'd go in there and get me one of those cold orange crushes. You know. Man, I'd down that orange crush. Then I'd go back outside. Five minutes later, there's a stickiness in my throat. And, and you know, I, I thought, man, I, I just drank that orange crush, but I am thirsty. Hold up the bottle of Orange Crush. Artificial color. Artificial flavoring. You know why people in the world are still thirsty? Because they're drinking the artificial instead of what's real. But aren't you glad we know, we know where they can find the living water? We know where they can find living bread. And find it at the foot of a cross called Calvary. Amen. Where Jesus indeed paid it all. We don't have to be discontent. We can be contented with life now and eternal life in the future. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, it's my joy every Sunday to share from Your, your blessed book. Father, I thank You that the Word of God is so clear. The invitation is still open. And Father, I pray that the Gospel message here at Christmas would make an impact. May, Father, You give us open doors to share with those who are thirsty to come to the living water. In Jesus' name, Amen. Y'all have a great day.